Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. I'm just going to fair a guess because there is a sectional final in the area that features Chittard and Garen. I'm assuming that our next guest, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is uh, on the road to attend that game. Am I right, Don? Uh, you are correct that we are going to the game, but we have not expounded from the house yet. <laughs> you, better get, you better get your ass on the road, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got two hours before kickoff, so I think we're still good. <laughs> okay. All right. I just want to make sure. I'm telling you, if I try to go to Ron Collie or something, I'd take my kid to a Ron Collie game. I ain't got to go there about three hours before. So you, can, I mean, you can't get anything but a moped in the parking lot by that time. So I, I understand what you're saying. I do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I thought, and I, I mean, you and I both go way back. Um, and, and obviously, growing up and, and listening to you and, you know, watching IU basketball as well. I thought that was a cool moment last night with, uh, with Brayton Bailey, the, the son of Damon Bailey, in for St. Francis and that round of applause that he got. Oh, absolutely. You knew it was going to happen because Indiana fans are not going to forget one of their own. And uh, yeah. Damon, of course, is exactly that. And Brayton, of course, is uh, in many respects a chip off the old block at, a, at a, maybe a smaller level, but you know what their coach told me in our interview prior to the ball game that Brayton Bailey was out four time, four games last year, four back-to-back ball games last year, and they lost all four of them because he wasn't on the floor. Uh, he's such a, a smart basketball player. He understands the game. Obviously, he's been around it his entire life, and uh, there's no question he's a special player for that program at St. Francis, and without doubt, Obviously, Damon is well-beloved by Indiana fans, as you would expect. Yeah, he's a scrapper, too. I mean, he, he, he can play a little physical brand of basketball. And, and his dad could, too. Don't get me wrong. It's, but he, he, he is a noted scrapper and grinder, for sure, as a player. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and if you go back and think about watching Damon Bailey play in high school, he was a 6-2 center most of the time. Yeah, he was. Those teams at Bedford. I mean, he was playing the post position a bunch. And just being able to out physical just about anybody he played against, so it's he's a chip off the old block in that regard. I mean, and back in the day too. I mean, part of the game plan was trying to be physical with him. I mean, and, and everybody right. tried to do it. I mean, when you had you had a future NFL tight end and Tony McGee trying to do that with Terre Haute <laughs> South, and I mean, they, they, I mean that was every, and he was the focus of every single game. So yeah, that, that toughness and that grinding ability certainly runs in the family there. Yeah, it does. It really does. No question about it. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers. What have you uh, taken away from these first two exhibition games, last night versus St. Francis and versus Marion as well, before the Hoosiers embark on the regular season to play coming up? Well, it just seems to me, John, and, and again, it's a very small sample size, uh, literally, uh, in the sense of how big the, the two teams that Indiana faced thus far. But what I do like is you're, you're seeing – a different, a different type of basketball out there right now. And, and I say different type in the sense 
of last year, if they dropped off to three or four guys at the same time, took them out of the ball game, you'd see a significant drop off in what Indiana was capable of doing, especially offensively. You have not seen that in either one of these first two ball games. When they put that three or four guys in for the second unit, so to speak, it's a different it's a different look than it was a year ago. I mean, those guys all seem to be able to score the basketball, move the ball. There's a camaraderie or a chemistry there already. It, it's not as good as it's going to get, but there's no question that second unit uh, when they come in out of the floor, you're not missing much. You're you're actually not missing much at all. And here's the other thing I like: the two freshmen, actually C.J. Gunnis, you got to put the third guy in there, and Caleb Banks down the road, I think, is going to be a major factor as well. But those first three that we're talking about here, and Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Malik Renu, uh, along with C.J., those three kids, they're not afraid, and they go out there and they play like they've been here before. I mean, I'm I'm really impressed with what I've seen of those young men. And I'm really excited about what I see in this basketball team right now because I have, they have the potential to be something special. I, I kind of took this away from it, and I know it's two exhibition games, and, and you can take it for what it's worth, but there just seems to be a level of confidence. And I mean a consistent, not just, hey, we did something great right here. I'm very confident about it. But sustainable confidence that we haven't seen around that team in a while. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment as well. I I, I really do. I and I think these freshmen bring that to this group. Um, I think all these kids uh, that, that have played in Indiana the last two or three years, and of course Trace and Race have been there forever. It seems like four and five, six years, you know, respectively. But but when you look at the confidence level these guys are playing with, again, that goes back to the coaching staff and, and what they've been able to do developmentally not only from a physical perspective, but from a mental perspective. And I really like what I see in this team right now. And, and granted, it's a very small sample size. And I think both uh, uh, Marion and St. Francis are going to be really, really good basketball teams in their respective leagues and probably from an NAI perspective in the country. I think these te- two teams are going to be very special in that regard. But it's not where we are at from a competition standpoint at the division one level. And there is no doubt the, the, the sparks will start flying on Monday when Moorhead state comes to town with back-to-back 23 season wins uh, and a basketball team. That's got a lot of new faces on it, but they've got a coach that knows how to put them together. So it's, it's going to be very interesting when the real firing starts to see how this team deals with adversity and how they can handle some of the competition they're going to face because the competition is going to get dramatically better quickly. Do you think that the adversity you're also talking about may come in terms of playing time clock, trying to get these guys minutes, get guys minutes. You think that's something some of these dudes are going to have to, to ultimately overcome as well. Well, I I think, I think when you've got this many guys and, and here's another guy that popped up last night that we hadn't seen previously, play like this over the previous year is Tamar Bates. Um, he adds another piece to the puzzle uh, for this basketball team. And again, where do all the minutes come from? And that's always a question mark and how players handle that because everybody's going to have a role and you've got to buy into it. And the question is, will they all buy into whatever role they're asked to play because you can't put everybody out there on the floor at one time. 
You can only put five out there, and somebody's minutes are not going to be quite what they hoped they would be. Can they can they get past that and understand it's a team game, and your role is this, and that's what you have to accept, and then embrace it. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. They start the regular season for real coming up on Monday against Moorhead State. All right, Hoosier football tomorrow. Penn State in town. I believe that's a 3.30 start um, in, in Bloomington. Are you telling John Herrick better wear a hat tomorrow because the wind may offer some <laughs> obstacles for that hair? Have you told him that? Well, I didn't, I didn't bring that up when I saw him yesterday at the ball game. No, <laughs> I didn't think about it at that point in time. Uh, maybe I'll just call him and say, you know, John's really worried about that quapping. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's going to be flying around out there. Going to be flying around. That's, that's something that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's so many things here, obviously, with, with IU off a sure. of bye week and how they played so far and Penn State in town. But that, that win situation could – that's going to add a, a little bit more, I think, of uh, a layer of intrigue tomorrow afternoon. Well, both teams are going to have to play it. I mean, Penn yep. State lost a ball game last week to Ohio State. Actually had Ohio State down in the fourth quarter, and Ohio State came back and beat them. And I know they're pretty disappointed in that, and they made a few uncharacteristic mistakes, a lot of four turnovers in that ball game for Penn State. Uh, they'll have a little fire in their eye tomorrow, too. Uh, but they're also going to have that wind in their face, along with probably some rain spitting, because uh, yeah. it's supposed to rain tomorrow, too. So it's, it's not going to be uh, – uh, a terrific day to play college football, but it'll be interesting to how, see how both these teams handle it. Without doubt, winning game may be important tomorrow, and if that turns out to be the difference, then Indiana's in real trouble because, let's face it, they have not run the ball effectively virtually at all this season, and that needs to be addressed, and hopefully it's done so in the bye week a little bit. The offensive line's had another week to, to work under Rod Carey, and hopefully that can improve um, but you're also going to have to throw the football in this contest. And, of course, Tom Allen left the door open as to who the quarterback's going to be in the press conference on Monday. He said everything was uh, looked at in the bye week situation, and we're, we're evaluating every, everything that we're doing, as well as, well as every personnel person on this team uh, that we think can help us. And so and they, we would not commit to who the quarterback would be whether Bayes Lack or Jack Tuttle or uh, Dexter Williams or whomever. And at this point, we don't know who it's going to be because he's been tight-lipped about it all week long. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a guess? Well, if, if you ask me, uh, and, and this, again, if I guess, everybody's going to say, well, he's got inside. No, I don't. just blame me. I say, I was on, say, I was on. I'm on every Friday with a dumbass, all right? It's not my fault. Just blame me. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand that, but the, the truth of the matter is they won't give a crap what you say. They're going to give a crap what I say. Yeah, and see, that's right. That's why I feel comfortable in telling you that. Yes, that's exactly it. I know, exactly. <laughs> so, so I have a guess, but I'm not going to offer it. <laughs> okay, I understand. I I do I do get it. I um, I but Between the quarterbacks that you brought up, um, is, is does anyone – I mean, obviously, we've seen Bazelak start the entire year so far. Right. What are the uh, plus and minuses of a, a quarterback change possibility here to you? Well, that's what we don't know. I mean, we know Jack Tuttle has played and he has won. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago in the COVID year, he was terrific when he was getting his first opportunities to play. 
And then last year when he got the opportunity, it didn't turn out very well because he was hurt. I mean, he got hurt pretty early on. And so we just didn't, we haven't seen enough of him over the last year or so to, to really be able to say, can Jack turn things around for this team? Well, obviously they didn't think he could at the beginning of the season, or at least they didn't think he was the best of the two quarterbacks put out there because Connor Bazelak has taken every snap this year. So up to this point, we only have seen one guy. So I don't know what to expect from Jack Tuttle. I know this. He is a great young man. He is a terrific leader because despite the fact that he has not played, he has continued to be a leader on this team on how he's handled himself uh, with his teammates and how he's, uh, he's had behind, behind the coaches and everything else. Now, granted, he has gotten himself put in the transfer portal, and he and Tom Allen had a really good conversation about it, and he told Tom, look, Coach, I, I know I, I want to play. I want to play. I make sure I'm going to play my senior year of football, my final year of eligibility, and I don't think that's going to happen here. And that's why I'm going to put my name in the transfer portal. And Tom Allen had no problem with it. And Jack said, I'm not going to leave coach until the end of the season. I'm not going to leave this team until the end of the season, until the end of the season either. So it'll be second semester when I make my decision as to where I'm going to go next. And, but I'm still a part of this football team and I want to remain a part of it. So I, I give him a lot of credit. And I, if he's the guy tomorrow, I hope he performs terrifically well. Uh, if he's not the guy tomorrow, I just know that he's going to have his head on straight. He's not going to worry about anything else but supporting this football team. Seems like anymore, whether we're talking about football or basketball, the, the coaches are not the first ones to find out when their players enter the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the next thing you know, somebody's in there and, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Reaction. You know, I better I better uh, text him and find out what's up. So yes, <laughs> exactly, no doubt about it. Hey, I will say this before I let you go here. You get back to basketball. You look at both sides here, the men and the women. I know I brought up the women last week because I'm a huge fan of Grace Berger down there. But there's some opportunities with both the men and women. Significant opportunities this year with the way you eyeball both rosters. Well, there is little doubt about that. Uh, Terry Morin has done a remarkable job with the women's program at Indiana and has continued to build it the last six or seven years now. She's done a remarkably good job. There's no question. And obviously the last two or three years have been special for this Indiana program. We're talking about the women now. And uh, they're ranked 11th preseason-wise, and their expectations are that they're going to have another great run at the Big Ten Championship. And they're going to obviously get to the final or at least get to the Sweet 16, that kind of thing. That's the expectation. And you would think they probably are thinking about Final Four and that kind of thing, maybe even a national championship, because their talent level is pretty special. With Grace Berger out there, and of course you've got – I'm spacing on the young lady inside. She is a terrific Mackenzie Holmes. Mackenzie Holmes. Holmes, Exactly. And then then you've got uh, the transfers that have come in here. Sydney Parrish, yeah, last year exactly. Sydney Parrish, a, a former Miss Basketball, and uh, they got a girl from Israel that's a really talented young player and is going to be special for this team as well. So, and and they've got the best player from Minnesota's roster transfers to Indiana to play her final se- uh, season of college basketball. So you're t- and she can flat shoot the lights out. So you're looking at one heck of a roster for the women as well. Both these teams, both the men's and women's teams this year, should make something really happen at IU. 
You can kind of tell that I have a 12-year-old daughter that plays basketball with that right there. I was right on top of it. She did, she did tell me the other day, she said, would you please stop face-palming when I shoot? I said, <laughs> she said, that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> well, isn't, she playing, isn't she playing with uh, Mike Wells' daughter? And, and yeah, we got a... Yeah, we got a whole whole group of. I think uh, yeah, there's some. Yeah, there are a lot of them. Like Ryan, Ryan, you know, Ryan. We we we're not playing together with with Ryan Wolf's daughter anymore, but we played together in the past. There's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of IU and a lot of uh, local you know, interest there playing together. But she said, yeah, please, when I shoot, don't face palm. And I said, yeah, I know, I'll, I try. <laughs> I got to sit there with a poker face. I guess it's like I'm in rounders or something. I got to sit there and just. Like the, the stone face, like Larry Bird on the sideline, and we was coaching the Pacers like nothing. So, well, you can't you can't possibly do that. I, I just no, can't I can't. That you can sit but there I, stone face. I don't say I don't say anything though. I did. She said, you know, your advice when you tell me to get in the stance. All the other girls say, what does he mean by that? I go, okay, whatever. <laughs> as long as you're get not in. saying get in the car. <laughs> I'm gonna. Ha- I'm just gonna have to hold up a sign like they used to back in the day with Tom Crean. Like, yeah, call out the screen. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna put that up there like that. Get over the screen. So, but yeah, <laughs> I got. I got to remember. Sometime I'm dealing with a 12 year old girl. You know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, I do know what you mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's whether it's a 12 year old girl or 12 year old boy. A parent always has to realize <laughs> what he's doing out there. If you know what I mean. I do. I'll be honest with you. I, I love the fact basketball's back, and it is kind of cool to talk about both the, the men's and the women's a little bit because there is you know, a, a high level of expectation of success with them both. And, and I, I think really that's, that's cool. I mean, that really is cool. So Yep. It's going to anyway. be a fun year. It really is. All right. You, got, you better get up and get going here. You got to get to Garen. So you're holding me. You're gonna. I'm gonna be no parking places for me. No. Where's that? At Garen tonight? Is it at Garen? Yeah, it's at Garen. Exactly. Yeah, you're gonna. You're gonna be parking in somebody's like farm field here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be used to that because I grew up on a farm. So you know. Yeah, yeah. You park right out there. Just don't let it rain or anything, and get right out. <laughs> just pull up next to a big cow pile. Or so that's how we used to. We go to a section on. Park at Switch City right next to a big cow pile every year. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't mind the cow piles as long as we don't have a pig farmer sitting out there, too. Yeah, you got Woo. it. Hey, buddy, <laughs> the best of luck to Chittard in that Garen Chittard game later on tonight, Don. I appreciate you. Have a great call. 2.30 tomorrow downstairs on WIBC, right? Yep, absolutely. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it. You got it. it, buddy. Thank you. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, 
It's the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana, Chris Denary. The Pacers are back, had basically about four days off, played on Monday night, the final, the fifth and final date on that road trip, and then back at home for, I believe, what are four consecutive at Gambridge Fieldhouse as they welcome in the Miami Heat and, and Chris Denary's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. When you size up those, those five games and they won two out of the five of those, what, what stood out to you, Chris? Well, I think you have to feel pretty good. You had a chance going into the final game uh, on Monday uh, with a chance to have a winning road trip, and they nearly did it. Uh, down 24, down 19 in the third quarter, tie it with about six minutes to play, and then uh, Kevin Durant you know, made plays, and uh, the Pacers came up on the short end. But I, I think it was you know, seeing guys like you know Benedict Matherin score 32 in the win, Chris Duarte – breaking out of a slump, even though it was a loss on Monday, scoring 30. Um, this has been an offense that has been one of the best in the NBA, and they've just got to sort out the defense. I mean, it's one of the things you're going to see tonight. Miami is not quite as good defensively as they have been in the past. In fact, these are the two teams that are giving up the most threes uh, from their opponent in the NBA. And Rick Carlisle has said, while their paint defense is better, it's one of the top in the league, John, it's the other team's ability to get in the paint, drive and kick, uh, and over-rotate the defense for three-point shots. So, uh, but I do think uh, it was a very impressive uh, back, back on last Friday and Saturday uh, to go into Washington, a team that beat you earlier in the year, and pretty much dominate them on national television. And then uh, a night later, you get in about 3 o'clock in New York City, and you know for the most part in the second half, uh, you pull away and, and dominate the Nets. I, I thought all in all it was a pretty good road trip. Yeah. Anybody stand out to you? Uh, consistently, here's what I love about Benedict Matherin, Chris. Um, this is how legit I believe he is. And this is what stands out more, I think, than anything else. It would have been the games where he has started off and significantly struggled. And those times he's battled back and gotten into a rhythm, didn't let that bug him. He forgets about that shot. He forgets about his issues, forgets about those problems, stays in it, stays focused, and really gets back into gear. And that's tough for a veteran to do. But to me, I think if you look at the NBA landscape, that can be certainly difficult for a rookie that's just got a handful of games under his belt. Well, absolutely, John. In fact, you look back when the road trip started that first game on a Monday night in Philadelphia, and he goes for two first-half points, and you're thinking, oh, this could be a seven- or eight-point game. Oh, no, he scored 15 in the second half and ended with 17. It was very similar to end the road trip on Monday. He only had 16 points, but he was highly effective in the second half and was a part of the group that helped the team come back. So you're right. I mean, very rarely uh, do you see players bounce back like that especially when they're that young. But this guy's a different cat. Uh, when you talk to uh, Rick Carlisle, he'll tell you. He, he comes up to him multiple times uh, during the, the week and during training camp and says, hey, coach, I need you to coach me hard. I need you to coach me hard. I want to be the best that I can be. And I think those are just all the things that uh, blend into his game. Uh, you, you've got to have different type of guys on your team like I love watching Tyrese Halliburton. He plays with so much joy. In that win on Saturday, he hit like a 6-3, and he was galloping down the floor, right? It reminded yeah. me of Reggie Miller. 
But Benedict Matherin, um, he is so focused. I mean, he's just different. And I, I think that plays very well for this group because I think at times in the past, John, everybody was the same, right? They, they had the same demeanor. Um, this is a group that has all different kinds of personalities, and, and they're young, and, and I think that's really good for them. So Kristen Airy, Valley Sports, Indiana, with the Pacers and the Heat later on tonight at Gambridge Fieldhouse with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group byline. The other thing that stands out is Rick Carlisle has not in an ounce um, – been apprehensive about sitting somebody that's not getting it done. We saw him do that with 33 on Monday night, and you know, Chris Duarte had to battle through that, and you kind of wondered if there was an effect going on there, and then on Monday night, it seemed like Duarte kind of shot himself back into gear a little bit. Oh, no question, and, and, and look at James Johnson, a 14-year veteran. He's played valuable minutes these last two games. Uh, Terry Taylor, the, the young guy who played well last year and who started the first few games, wasn't playing particularly well. Rick has not hesitated to go to somebody he thinks can, uh, you know, do a better job. So, yeah, there's no question about that. I, I think we all thought that Duarte would break out of this. He, he's a very good shooter, um, and it just was going to take him time. And I think, you know, he's trying to figure out his role a little bit, Um you know, with Halliburton, with Matherin, with this group. Because if you remember, when the trade was made last year, Duarte missed most of the last 25 games when Halliburton and Heal joined the team. In fact, he missed the last 12 or 13. So he didn't really have an opportunity uh, to mesh with the new guys as, as well as he would have liked. So uh, it was good to see him shoot the ball well. I mean, he is a guy that the ball needs to go in for him, not that, that's, it, it, not that it's going to affect some parts of his game, but I just think he's a guy that when he's scoring well, that just augments the rest of his game. You know, if you're looking around and Kristen Neri joins us, the NBA, this has been a really odd start to the season, the way that you look at it. I mean, you, you get Golden State, last year's champion, loses a four consecutive, and I think last night in Orlando, and that's one of those games where you're on the East Coast if you're Golden State against, you know, obviously in the East, uh, one of the so-called worst right there. Uh, before that, a one-game winner, they get their second win of the season. So it's been a, a rough start for Golden State. And really some of these teams that people thought, in particular out West, I guess, that they were, you know, going to tank have played well out of the gate. Is that just kind of the newness of the NBA? Will that catch up with everybody, or is that just kind of – I guess I should ask you, is that surprising with some of these teams, the way they've started? John, I think – and, again, I've done this for 17 years. Um, I just think there's an immense amount of talent right now in this league. Um, and you look at Orlando. They are like the Pacers. No. They are very young but talented. They've got the number one pick in Bancaro out of Duke. You've got Jalen Suggs, who was terrific at Gonzaga. You've got uh, Franz Wagner. I mean, you've got Bull Bull now at seven feet. I mean, there's just a lot of talent across the league. And so if you're not ready to play on a particular night, you're going to go down. And, and now it's five straight, John. I, I think Golden State's lost Is it five, five straight? straight? I think you're right, yeah. Because they've lost to Charlotte. They've lost, they've lost, I think yeah. they've lost to Charlotte, Detroit, and Orlando on this East Coast trip to this point. Yeah, they also lost to Miami uh, on right. Tuesday. So, so yeah, you're, you're seeing a lot of teams 
you know, look at Detroit. I mean, with Ivy and Cunningham and Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. I mean, what I've always told people that are maybe more college than they are pro, and again, I was around the college game for, you know, 20-plus years. There's only 30 teams, and so there's going to be a lot of talent on those 30 teams. You're taking the best of college basketball, and, you know, sometimes guys that aren't going to college because you're getting, you know, 100 or so international players overall, and you're sprinkling these guys across 30 rosters. And I think early on, John, what we've seen in the first two and a half to two and a half weeks of the season is there's a lot of talent in the league, and on a particular night, that talent can win games. And, and you've seen Philadelphia start slow, Brooklyn start slow, Golden State. A lot of these teams that were uh, favorites have, have sort of stubbed their toe. The Clippers, uh, now they don't have Kawhi Leonard. He's, he's missed a number of games, but they have Paul George and maybe have one of the deepest rosters in the NBA. But it just shows you on a nightly basis, you better be ready to play because there's enough young, hungry talent that they can beat you. Well, and, you know, the Heat probably would be described as one of those teams with the Sixers. They're four and five, going to be without James Harden for about a month here. And uh, with the turmoil surrounding that Brooklyn Nets mess right now, that would stand to reason that they're off to a horrible two and six start. But I'm assuming the team coming in here tonight at four and five, probably not very happy if you're Eric Spolstra with the start that the Heat have had to this point in the season. Yeah, they got off to a two and five start. They've already been west. Um, and then they came back and had a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday and, and beat Golden State, as we just talked about. And then Tyler Hero hit a shot, a three-point shot on Wednesday uh, near, the, near the buzzer to beat Sacramento. So no Jimmy Butler tonight. Uh, Victor Oladipo is still out. He has not played yet this year. But it's a pretty deep roster. Uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, Hero, Heroes moved into the starting lineup after being a reserve for so many years, signed a big contract in the offseason. Uh, it's a good team, and it, it's a team that probably, as I said, is not playing defense the way that they've played it in the past. Um, it'll be interesting, John, because the Pacers are playing as fast as they've ever played and are playing at a pace in the top five in the league. And Miami's playing a little bit slower this year. So it'll be interesting to see if the Pacers can get out and run because they're averaging about 18 points per game fast break, which is top three in the NBA. And that's been a real, I think, advantage for the Pacers this year. That's, that's one of the reasons they had success on the road in those uh, two wins against Washington and Brooklyn. Yeah, it's funny about the Heat, too, Chris. It just kind of seemed like they always dig out dudes. Right, they're always going to dig out dudes, find dudes that are helping them out, and it's been a bit of a struggle, at least for the first month of the season, to uh, to find that. I mean, that's I guess that what that is is a great testimonial to Eric Spolstra and how he can coach it up when you find talent, you can fill some gaps, guys that nobody really expects to play at a higher level, but end up doing. Kind of wonder if maybe with this squad, a long way to go, very early sample size, but you kind of wonder if, uh, you know, living on that now, maybe they kind of came up empty in the direction they're going right now. A little bit, I guess. Yeah, John, they have a 16-man roster. They're one under the the limit. uh, They have 14 and then two two two-way players. Of their 16 players, they have six first-round draft picks, and they have 10 undrafted free agents. So you're right. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a testament to Spolstra coaching him up. It's a testament to Pat Riley and his crew. You know, Max Struess uh, has been an outstanding shooter from DePaul, undrafted. Duncan Robinson uh, from Michigan, a former Division Three player, has, you know, what, two, three years in a row made over 200 threes, undrafted free agents. So, yeah, they, they have really done a good job. They've utilized their G League team well, and uh, they have the most undrafted players on an NBA roster this year. Chris Denary, Valley Sports, Indiana. He's the voice of the Pacers coming up later on tonight. you got the Pacers in the heat at Cambridge Fieldhouse. You can hear it also right here. Any injuries that we should be talking about tonight? And I know that um, Rick Carlisle has yet to meet with the media before the game. That normally comes, I think, in the 5 o'clock hour or so. But anything we can talk about right now? Well, I'd be surprised. It'll be interesting to see Aaron Neesmith if he plays. He's been out with that sore right foot. Uh, that happened, ironically, a week ago tonight when he played very well. His best game of the year, he had 16 points. Uh, so we'll wait and see. He did not play in either of the last two games. Uh, Isaiah Jackson went off the floor with a minor uh, leg injury in the Monday night loss to Brooklyn, but he has practiced and isn't even listed on the injury list. So I would think the only player uh, that we'll, we'll wonder about at about 515 will be Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. So I will say this. They, they've been, like everybody thought they would be, they've been fun to watch. There have been moments where you go, uh-oh. But they battle. I mean, they do battle. They get down 20, they battle back. You know, they get down 17, they battle back. And, you know, with a young developing group like this, at this point, I think that's, you know, the main thing that you ask for from, from any group right now, the way you look at the Pacers. Yeah, and I think the most impressive thing is is those two wins that they took command and they held on, and they kept the Wizards and the Nets at arm's length last Friday and Saturday because we've seen in the past, we've seen other Pacers teams with a lot more veterans and a lot more experience, John, you know, sort of lose those leads and in, in some cases lose the game. Uh, so that was good. Uh, again, to your point, they, they faced some big deficits, especially in the first quarter. Uh, six of the first eight games, they've trailed by double figures after a quarter. That's, you can't do that that many times and expect to win games. You may come back on occasion, but it's not going to be a regular occurrence. So you've got to do a better job. I think they're minus seven points in the first quarter. That really puts you up against it on a nightly basis. So I think that'll be something that we'll be watching tonight, uh, seeing what kind of start that the Pacers get off to against the Heat. Been your impression on Buddy Heald off to a pretty hot start so far this year? I mean, Buddy lo- loves to play. He's the – a lot of times he's the first in the gym. He's the last in the gym. I think J.J. said uh, on the road he just finds his own transportation on game night, you know, Uber, Lyft, whatever it is, uh, and he gets to the arena early. Uh, we had a chance on the road. The great thing about being back on the road with the team, John, is – you know, you're at practice, you're at shoot-arounds, and uh, I would ride the last bus back after a practice or a shoot-around because Buddy has a drill where he goes around, I think, nine spots on the floor, and he's got to make so many in a row, and he's got to make so, you know, ten or whatever it is. And it's, it's, it's awesome to see a guy put in that much work. And you know, that's why he's been one of the best three-point shooters in the league the last number of years. 
Uh, he's sixth all-time when it comes to five or more threes in a game. I think he has 109 in his career. So it's a testament to the amount of work that he has put in uh, to his craft. All right. That begs the question. Growing up, Little Denary shooting the basketball, what was your go-to shooting drill? Well, my go-to shooting drill, the, the one thing that my dad did, and this was before you had the baskets the you know that you could – you know, have it five feet, six feet, eight feet, ten feet, whatever. Yeah. When we when we were growing up, my dad managed the basket. We had in the nineteen late sixties, seventies, John, we probably had the first adjustable basket that existed. I don't nice. know how my dad did it, but but we learned to shoot um on on a six foot goal, seven foot goal, because my dad really believed in shooting form. And so we did a lot of shooting drills around the world, right? Uh, yep. You know, we, there was no three-point shot then, but you just went around the world, you know, from the corner to the wing to the top and, and that type of thing. So that was something that, that we worked on a lot. And I think, you know, the one thing that I could do in high school and even as a bit role player in college uh, was shoot. You know, I wasn't very quick, you know, defense, Defense really wasn't my calling card. Uh, ball handling was was all right, but I could shoot, and uh, I think that was a testament to all those days and nights uh, in the driveway or on the back patio, uh, making sure that the goal was the right level for us to grow up on. Well, we um, we did the same thing, and obviously we shot outside, so that the the degree of difficulty was always. Um, more, always more, I guess, than it was shooting inside. We did a lot of our stuff outside. But what changed the dynamic of shooting drills, at least for me, was the uh, Steve Alford one. When Steve oh, yeah. Alford, yeah. what he did, you know, with the chair and the broom and all that, when that came yeah. out, I mean, that we, we had to do that all the time. And if you had not done it, that thing, that worked your ass out back in the day, Chris. I mean, it really did. Well, you know what was funny? Last uh, Yesterday after practice, we uh, listened to Rick, did our interviews. By the way, I've got Isaiah Jackson tomorrow on mm. Pacers Weekly at uh, Very nice uh, here on the fan. I need to get that promo in. Uh, Pat Boylan will host. Um, but Jalen Smith was out on the practice floor by himself with the gun, right? With that, yep. that it feeds you the balls automatically. Love it. And the gun, the gun has that net, right? That yep. you have to your your arc has to be perfect because yes. if you shoot it too low, you're going to shoot it right into the net on the machine. So it, it was really cool to see Jalen probably spent a half hour after practice just buying stuff with the gun. Rick Carlisle went over a little bit, but uh, uh, you know, hey, back in the day we didn't have anything like the gun. Nope. So I'm a little jealous when I see that. I I am too, because what what we had I don't know what you guys had in Westfield back in the day, but we had this kind of it was like a it was like a net that was really tight, and you had to when you hit it, the ball would you know come down through the net and then bounce off of this net and then like bounce to you. It was um, it wasn't like it was today, or you just had to go get it yourself. But let me tell you this: the shooting gun may be one of the greatest inventions of all time. That thing is such a blast. I tell this story. I was at Whiteland High School back in April, and I went 79 for 100 on the old gun. 
from three. That was high school three-point range, which we know, Chris, with shooters like us, that's a layup, right? I mean, that's a layup. <laughs> But 79, 79 for 100 right there. And I got, it said 79 for 101, but I couldn't get to the machine and shut it off quick enough, and it shot another ball out there for 101. But 79 for 100. I mean, that's impressive. We also had the rim that went inside a rim, right? Yes, yes. That was was so you shoot free throws and make sure your, your center cut sort of like hitting a driver down the center right. of the fairway. Uh, you know, we know that a rim, that you get some bounces that, you know, how many times have you shot a free throw and it's off a little bit to the right, but it finds its way in? Well, yes. when you've got that little rim inside a real rim, you don't have that luxury. So it really taught you how to have everything straight and, you know, trying to swish that as best as possible. We, um, we used to play a game where you got one point for making it and two points for not hitting the rim when you made oh, it. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Two points for not hitting. Yeah. But, um, and, and speaking of, of tight rims, and I gave a shout-out to Southport High School on Southport Fieldhouse because they changed up goals and rims, and that went from incredibly soft rims to some of the hardest rims of all time right now. So somebody better get up there and start hanging on these things, or the Southport – shooting percentages are going to go, like, down this year because nothing, nothing at all is going down on those tight-ass rims right now there. Nothing. Zero. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, and, again, I know they have different uh, basket supports now, but the rims at Hinkle were always the softest. I mean, you yes. would talk to Darnell yeah. Archie, who had the longest streak in NCAA history. When, when I'm 50-plus years old and I can go – it's a fundraiser – and I can make 93 or 94 out of 100 on those soft hinkle rims, you, yeah. you know they're special, right? I agree. I agree. The softest rims in the state of Indiana, the Center Grove West Gymnasium. You can shoot anything. It'll bounce around. Be a big brick. It'll bounce around five times and go in every time. Softest, <laughs> softest rims in the state of Indiana. But now, if you shoot a corner three, for some reason they've got, like, cables that are holding the basket supports that – kind of jut out in your way that's a little weird but the softest rims of the state of indiana the center grove west gym anything you shoot and brick goes in most of the time it's incredible incredible so you <laughs> so you get the roll you get the I mean, it's not even a, it's a bounce i mean you could bricks go in it's incredible it helps out all these old farts it does all right what time you guys go on the air tonight uh, 6.30 pregame with J.J., uh, and then uh, we'll be on the air at 7, and then don't play again until Monday, then play Wednesday, then play Saturday. So, you know, nice to be back home. Uh, the, the last road trip was the second longest of the year. Uh, for me, it was the first road trip in two and a half years, so I really enjoyed being back on the road. But, you know, it was just getting used to uh, getting into uh, airports and hotels at 3 in the morning. But, I thought the guys did a really good job. I know they wanted to win that last game to have a winning road trip, but all in all, when you look at uh, you know what they're doing and, and how they're doing it, I think they had to feel pretty good. If I'm Zach Hahn and I coach at Center Grove, all my games are played in the West Gym. Every one. <laughs> so, you're saying, they... <laughs> so you're saying the uh, – and that's a positive. So you're going to shoot uh, at center Grove, You're going to shoot 90% at the free throw line then, right? Exactly. Now they may need somebody to get a broom out and sweep the floor occasionally. They might want to do that. But 
that's where I, if I'm Zach Hahn, that's, that's where I'm playing with the fellas I'm playing in the West Gym. Hey, buddy, we'll be watching later on tonight. I appreciate you. Thanks, John. Chris Denary, Bally Sports, Indiana, coming at you tonight at 6.30. And the uh, voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joins us. So what time are you bugging out of town tomorrow afternoon, Matt? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it's like that Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that was me. You like my reset right there? A little clearing my of bad. the throat? Just the most professional stinking reset in radio anywhere right here. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even hear the first one. So, I mean, I've, I've got no context. So, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, no, tomorrow I think we're, we're cutting out about 3.30, I think, is when wheels up to, uh, to Providence, Rhode Island. Yes. Beautiful. That means all you guys can get together for dinner and somebody's buying seafood. That's a seafood dinner destination right there, right? Yeah, yeah. Either that or a nice, uh, fancy Italian uh, dinner there in Rhode uh, Island, right? A little, little Italy there in, in Providence. But, uh, yeah, either way, I'm not a big seafood guy. Uh, I know that blows yeah. a lot of people's minds. I know it's, it, it's sort of a texture and smell issue with me. So, good rule of thumb, if, if it swims, I don't eat it. Um, but I can... I can go to a seafood place and still find something to munch on on the menu there. There's you know, no it's doubt. Funny, what's funny about what you just said, and I know people are going to cringe everywhere when I make this statement, but you mentioned if it swims, you don't eat it. If it stinks, normally I do. So we're very different in that capacity right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typically the, the, more, the, the more defined smell or stench of or an odor of a food I typically stay away from it. So I I'm diving right. Style. I'm diving right into that stench. I'm diving right into that stink, Matt. <laughs> no I'm thanks. driving right. No People thanks. are just going, "What in the world is happening here?" I better get off of that and get to. That's, by the way, one of my one of my favorite films of the 2000s. I'm talking 2000 to 2010. Takes place in and around Boston. The Departed. Are you a big fan of The Departed, like I am? Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah, great movie. Now, that's oh. one of those movies where, for me, I appreciate the movie, but because it's so heavy and so intense, that's one of those movies I only need to see one time. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to see it again because of the subject matter. So I appreciated yeah. it, but I'm probably not going to watch it more than once. That's one where I think that Mark Wahlberg, who was you know, playing a cop in this, probably personality-wise, was you know bringing back the days when he was Marky Mark a little bit right there? I think he was channeling the Marky Mark <laughs> days as Mark Wahlberg in that. But no, nah, seriously, that is that's one of my favorites from from the decade between 2000 yep. and 2010, right there, taking place in and around Boston. All right, what, what what do you think about this matchup going in? Because the one thing, if I'm trying to get some Colts fans juiced up, is it's not like not like New England's going to go out there and blow you away at any stretch of the imagination offensively, and really. They're still unsure about who in the world should be their starting quarterback at many moments this season. Yeah, I think that, and also too. I mean, it's it's the first weekend of November, and I know it's you know it's it's three, four, and one, and I know you know the the offensive coordinator has been fired, and 
you know, the Colts were active there in the, in the trade deadline, you know, dealing Naeem Hines. I, I know the optics of it, but I'm telling you, there's still two months of football, two-plus months of football still to go here, and there's nine games left. And, I mean, if you just look at New England, I mean, they're kind of in the same boat. They, they're they 4-4, four and four, and they've won three of their last four games to kind of get even. So they've had an up-and-down season just like the Colts. But going into this game, they're only one game out of out of the playoffs. So, I mean, there's there's a ton of parity in this league. There's not a ton of just great elite teams. I mean, in the AFC, you've got Buffalo and Kansas City, if you still want to lump the Chiefs in that department. Then in the NFC, you've got the Eagles. Outside of that, there's, there's a lot of teams still trying to kind of figure it out and define who they are and, and hopefully try to get on a little bit of a run here. And I think the Colts are in that bucket. So with nine games to go, there's still a ton of football left. And if this team can get on a little bit of a run here, like let's say they win their next three, and all of a sudden you know you're you're, you're five, you got five wins or six wins, you know all of a sudden you know you're 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 squarely back in the mix of the playoff race here. So um, I'm just eager to see how this team responds. I'm eager to see what the offense looks like, you know, with with Marcus Brady's departure. Uh, Naeem Hines uh, no longer on the team, you know, and, and Sam Ellinger making his second career start, first career start on the road, you know, in a tough place to play like New England, Bill Belichick scheming you up on the opposite sideline. Um, those those make for an interesting game, a lot of storylines, but certainly with nine games to go, um, you know, this thing could get interesting, and I think we've said it for the third or fourth time here this season, the Colts are at a turning point or a or fork in the road, like we've said, and it's going to be interesting to see which path they take here at that fork going into week number nine. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylons. We learned today that officially out for Sunday would be running back Jonathan Taylor, which does not come at all at a surprise. So a heavy dose of Deion Jackson. You're going to get, I guess, Philip Lindsay up from the practice squad as well in a sense Will we see a lot in offensively? We don't want to see like it was certainly in Denver. But I thought if there was one thing offensively that you could talk about a little bit on that Thursday night in Denver was the fact that, you know, that running game game did get off their mark, interestingly enough, more times than they didn't. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, you go uh, a week later when, when Taylor's still out against Jacksonville, uh, Deion Jackson comes in. He runs hard. He runs for a rushing touchdown. Um, he's a very good gap runner. I mean, he's, he's, he has got, he's got really good vision. He runs very hard. Um, he's a guy that, you know, has a good center of gravity about him, good balance. He can lower his shoulder and get yards after contact, but maybe more impressively than all of that, uh, which is saying something is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got 14 catches this season in limited action. And we know about the 10 catches he had against Jacksonville. So, I would anticipate that being part of the game plan is to use him again as an extension of the running game with Philip Lindsay if he does get called up off the practice squad. But it's also interesting, too, because of the, the running back depth without Jonathan Taylor active. You know, you've got Deion Jackson and Zach Moss as of right now on the active roster. I, I don't know if – listen, I think that's going to be a tall order. I mean, it's it's nothing against Zach Moss, but, I mean – I don't know if you can expect a guy. I don't think it's fair to put a guy in that uh, position or situation uh, to, to be a backup running back and get, I don't know, whatever the number might be, seven, eight carries, um, and, and only have you know two or three days under your belt really kind of scheming up 
this playbook and this offense with a new terminology and, and, you know, new teammates around him. So I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Jordan Wilkins also be brought up off the practice squad. I'm not saying it's going to happen because I think Moss is, he's got that ability to do it, but you know, the Colts might go in favor of a guy that's got a ton of familiarity within the scheme and the team and, and this playbook, you know, the Colts drafted Jordan Wilkins back in 2018 in the fifth round out of Ole Miss. So, Despite all of that, he's still a guy that you can trust and, and throw in there and play at a high level, despite the fact that he's you know been gone from the building, so to speak, for about a year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the depth looks like behind Deion Jackson because I think you might have to bring up two running backs off the practice squad if you don't activate or, I should say, keep Zach Moss on the active roster for this game. So Matt Taylor, who joins us. Uh, Dennis Kelly was back today. Um, we'll see how that translates to coming up on Sunday. And, you know, when, when you saw that he was injured and didn't practice yesterday, we're thinking, all right, so maybe Bernard Ryman. Um, we'll see what happens anyway. But the reason why I bring this up is the major focus for an offensive line, which certainly has struggled, and certainly on either edge, would be Matthew Judon, who's got eight and a half sacks and has been an absolute terror for everybody defensively so far this season for the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Patriots on defense, it, it's it's hard to kind of put your thumb on them because with a Bill Belichick defense, they're a different scheme or they have different priorities week to week because that's just what they've always done. You know, they game plan and they're specific for their opponent. And, you know, Frank Reich today talked about that. You know, you, you, you have to wait about a quarter. It's, you, it's typically about a quarter to figure out, you know, what you're playing that day defensively with Bill Belichick. Um, guiding the ship there on the opposite sideline. And what you want to do is throw multiple, you know, personnel groupings at them early uh, to figure out, you know, how they're playing you, how they're attacking you, what they're trying to take away. Um, so there's no doubt, you know, they're going to have to contend with that. But defensively, uh, New England, their their hallmarks this season anyways have been turnovers or their takeaway ability and then also sacks. You mentioned Judon. He's got eight and a half sacks. Dietrich Wise has five. Those two guys have accounted for over half of their sacks as a defense on the season. Um, so they're very multiple. Um, they have some intricate, you know, pressure schemes, if you will. So um, they're the kind of complex up front to keep off of your quarterback. Uh, and then also, too, just the takeaways. It, it's interesting. They have 16 turnovers on offense and 16 takeaways on defense. Yeah. Um, so be- between these two teams, Colts and, and Patriots, um, they each have 16 turnovers on offense to so a combined 32 on the season. Um, but the difference is, is the Colts defense has allowed 56 points off of turnovers, whereas the Patriots have allowed only 25 points off of turnovers in, in sudden change, if you will. So they've done a better job of uh, kind of stemming the tide uh, when the defense is you know, kind of thrusted on the field all of a sudden after a turnover by their offense. Um, so I, I think those are the two things, sacks and, and takeaways by the defense for New England that kind of separates them and, and uh, is going to make it a challenge for the Colts in this game. Matt, before I let you go, one more thing. What has happened to the tight ends? Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at Mo Alley-Cox, he's been primarily used as a blocking tight end the last couple of weeks. If I'm not mistaken, he's only got, a, I think it's one or two targets in the last three games. I don't have the sheets in front of me, but – um, he just hasn't been looked to in the passing game very often here as of late. Um, you know, Kylan Granson's made plays. You know, when, when Kylan catches the ball, typically it goes for a first down. But 
Uh, it just hasn't happened a lot here lately. And then Jelani Woods has been used primarily inside the red zone. He's been a great, you know, uh, touchdown machine from the tight end position. Um, but situationally, he hasn't been used in, in too many other areas um, in the passing game. So, yeah, that's something you're going to focus on in this game. Um, you know, I just want to see this team get off to better starts. I mean, it, it just goes without saying. I mean, they're the only team in the NFL this year that doesn't have a point on their first possession of a game. Um, You know, Frank Reich talked about that this week. You know, typically they've been actually really good um, in that department, getting off the fast starts and scoring points on their first possessions of games. Um, You know, since he's been here in 2018, they've ranked no worse than fifth uh, in that department. And this year they're they're dead last. So um, maybe the tight ends kind of factor into that, get them more involved early, kind of script them up, if you will, uh, earlier in earlier in games to not only get them more involved but also get you off the schneid uh, points wise and 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 put a team kind of at a disadvantage. And I think it's so important in a game like this in Foxborough. Take out the crowd, kind of neutralize them early. And the Colts are a team again to kind of drive home the point. The Colts haven't scored in the first quarter since week three, right? So they've gone four straight games without a point in the first quarter. So, you know, that, that when, when, when you're routinely down by about six, seven points in the first quarter, um, it just kind of sets you up behind the eight ball for the remainder of the game. Yeah. It kind of changes who you are and what you're trying to do dynamic-wise on offense. I would love to see that script get flipped in this game and also to see where the tight ends kind of factor into that. You know, and I think when you relieve your OC of his duties earlier in the week, it may behoove you to get off to a – Good start for the first time in a long time. So that's that's something I think everybody's going to be watching coming up on Sunday yeah. as well as that type of start. Hey, I'm going to let you go because you got to get out in your yard and mulch these leaves because if you don't, you, you won't have time. Tomorrow it's going to rain, it's going to be wet, and then you're going to have a mess on your hands. So get your ass out in the yard and mulch those leaves. Okay? Do it. Get yeah, out there I'm now. Telling you, it is it is good leaf raking weather. However, I mean, you've, you've driven by my place. You, you know yeah. – you know where I live geographically. I've got like 12 uh, 100-year-old trees. And right. uh, I- I'm telling you, that that is a check that I'm going to write for the rest of my life, or at least <laughs> for the remainder of my duration living where I do. Because um, even if I had the time, that is such a daunting task. It is. They all drop it at different times of the year. Like I got trees that are going to hang on to their leaves until about mid-January. Um, so I, that's. I got them off the roof last night. I was up on the roof blowing them off, and I bagged those. But in the yard, I'm going to wait for the guys to show up and just write a check, and, and hopefully they'll take care of it. All right, buddy. Is it a blank move if I mulch mine and then blow it out in the road? <laughs> well, that's the problem is because my neighbors have – they've got trees too. So, like, when I'm done with mine, all of theirs is blowing into my yard. It's like hitting the reset button, right? It's demoralizing. I think people who ride bikes get mad at me. They go, I got to run over all these leaves. I am. All right, whatever. So, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I feel kind of bad about that sometimes. I don't know. Cause it's like the wild West. I'm, I'm literally in Morgan County. So it's kind of like the wild West. I don't think I have to worry about any rules there, but I think it is yeah. frowned upon, right. To blow your, uh, mulch leaves out into the road. Yeah. I mean, you listen, yeah. when it gets wet, when it gets wet and damp, and, I know, you know it. have to break and they can get all over the place. So, yeah, just do us all a solid, rake them and bag them, please. Yeah, probably. 
I'll get out right on that. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, safe travels for all you guys up to Providence, or, or as they said of the departed, up Providence Way. And uh, we'll hey, check boy. you out coming up on Sunday, buddy. All right, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Right, right back at you. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Friday night, and from Indiana Sports Talk, brought to you by CarX, your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. That's CarX.com to find the one nearest you today. Bob Lovell joins us. Should we start with Hamilton Southeastern and Fishers? Knock down, drag out? Is that what we're talking about there? A full description? Absolutely. Maybe the biggest, uh, you know, in terms of rivalries, those kinds of games that may be at the top. I mean, it's the revisit of the Mudsock game earlier in the year. And so, you know how it is when these two teams play, whatever sport it is, they're going at one another. And, you know, HSC number one, Fishers number 11. They played each other, as I mentioned earlier. They played each other since they've been in elementary school. They know each other very, very well, and uh, it's an enormous battle. No doubt. Seems like it's at the top of that particular list, but really, when you look at it, Bob, it is endless because you've got great stories. I'll give you one uh, because, historically speaking, really going all the way back to Mike New, there's not a lot to lean on when you're talking about Perry Meridian Falcon football but playing for a sectional title and sectional seven on the road here in Warren Township at Warren Central um, has to make that a very special opportunity for that squad. No, it's a great point, John. I mean, you have Warren Central and Perry. I mean, and Perry, give them credit. They're out there playing for a championship, which they haven't done in a while, as you mentioned. Warren Central has just steadily gotten better and better. Both these teams have really started to play their best football at the right time, and so – yeah, obviously a lot of attention paid to HSC and Fishers and Cathedral LC, Brownsburg Avon, I know all that, Whiteland and Noblesville. But uh, Warren Central Perry is a, tr- is a tremendous game. All right, you mentioned this, Cathedral and LC. A lot of people didn't give LN an opportunity. They hung strong last week, and then Cathedral ultimately got past them. Um, LC's got, you know, one of those – Positional, high-level talent. It's probably more than just one, but certainly one specifically here. How do you size up that matchup compared to what Cathedral did in getting by Ellen last week, Bob? Well, I think uh, Lawrence Central is an explosive team, as you point out. Uh, tremendous individual talent. Big play uh, capability, frankly, anywhere they are. And uh, that's something that you, you want these types of games, some big plays turn things in, in one direction and, Turnovers are always big, but um, you know Danny O'Neill, the Cathedral quarterbacks, had a good year, a solid year. I just, I just like this game in, in terms of two really talented teams uh, get a chance to go at one another. And LC again with that explosive capability, or they're very dangerous. What's your thoughts on Noblesville? Noblesville gets Westfield. Noblesville just um, kind yeah. of playing, you know, not a great certain record this year but just kind of playing right now to see what they can do to get to next Friday I guess at this point and doing a good job of it getting to the sectional final I mean look listen you're playing for a championship I mean that's that's the great thing about it 
Uh, it's a, a team that's gotten better and better and better. Uh, clearly, big rivalry game with Westfield, even if it's even if it is for a championship. It's a, a Westfield team that is extremely young in a lot of different spots, uh, and so you know it's a Noblesville team in their mind. Look, they're playing with house money. Uh, not too many people expected them to be where they are, except themselves. And so you know you always kind of like that attitude going into a game of this magnitude. The Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talks, got you covered with all of this action coming up later on tonight. Bob, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX location. Center Grove down at Columbus North coming up later on tonight as well. By the way, FC gave Center Grove a battle last week, Bob. Yeah, they did. I think that was a little bit of a surprise, to be honest with you. And this is a big, strong, physical Columbus North team. Uh, and we know Center Grove hasn't lost in a long time. And you know, that pressure continues to build, but you got to go on the road. We're going to be in a very big crowd for that game, playing a team that's very, very capable in Columbus North. So uh, it's an intriguing matchup, to say the least. All right, Bob. Other spots in which you look at, and I think you brought this up a little bit earlier, in sectional 14, just an outstanding year for Whiteland to this point, and you got a couple of rivals going head-to-head here. Whiteland and the 8-2 and two Franklin team that honestly has had a really good season in their own right so far. Well, they really have. Both these teams have, have had great seasons, to be honest. Whiteland, number two, they've been ranked number one. Franklin, number eight. Uh, it's a Franklin team that the, the same theme here, John. They, they just continue to play better. It's a Whiteland team that, I said it earlier, had a chance to play for a championship. But it's a mid-state conference rematch, if you will. And we've talked about the virtues and the strength of this conference. And it'll be on display tonight. I always like home crowds. You always like home field advantage in a, in a game like this. But, you know, this is, um, frankly, uh, I'm excited about this because, you know, I, I live in, here in town. And so um, it's a great, great game. Martinsville, East Central, Sectional 23, Connorsville, and what has just been an outstanding team, although dealing with an injury, uh, that in, in New Pal and Sectional 22, right down 52 here. And Brebuff and Ron Colley, 7-3 versus 10-1. Size up that matchup on Indy Southside coming up later on tonight, Bob. That, that may be as good as any game in the state, John. I mean, Ron Colley and, and Brebuff. I mean, Brebuff is quietly just – moved along in one game. They played a great schedule, as we know. Ron Colley, new coach, same same success, same level of success. Playmakers on both sides for both teams. Um, I'd like to be able to tell you who has an edge. I'm not sure they do. That's just another one of those one of those great games. And, and um, you know, Lutheran going for uh, trying to get a repeat tonight. They play Covenant Christian. I think that is a tremendous game. And how about Park Tudor and Traders Point Christian, John? That's one you don't uh, want to ignore. That's a really, really good matchup. So, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, tonight at 9.30 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Bob, every Friday, brought to you by our friends, the Joe Childers Run, 14 Central Indiana CarX locations with CarX.com, Chittard and Garen, Sectional 28, Danville, Monrovia, Sectional 29, and yeah, I know this is a little bit out of the area down in, in Owen County in Spencer. Owen Valley, which really burst onto the scene a year ago with a fantastic year and surviving last week over a year ago's champion uh, being Gibson Southern, 
get, um, I believe it's Pike Central down in Spencer coming up later on tonight. You know, the big, the huge win, obviously, against Gibson Southern. I think a lot of people, including me, thought Gibson Southern had enough to go back and play for another championship. But how about uh, this is, has been an Owen Valley team, John, that got off to a great start, and they've stayed at that level the entire year. You keep looking, you keep thinking, are they going to be able to maintain it? And the answer is yes. And so uh, it's a great matchup. It's a Pike Central team uh, that, frankly, is, is good. I think Pike Central are going to need to play as well as they can in this game. But, uh, uh, again, another one of those great matchups that may have surprised a lot of people. I know last week Triton Central had to go all the way to Brownstown Central to play and then survive and advance down in Jackson County. They get a home day tonight, not too far from where I'm sitting right now, um, here off of State Road 52, a little bit down uh, I-74. They welcome in Cecina, which in this general vicinity seems like a pretty strong matchup and is always Cecina in football is as strong as it gets. Well, it's a great matchup. I mean, both they played each other earlier in the year. Cecina won a close game the first time around. Uh, these are two teams. This game, John, to be honest, might take about an hour to play. Uh, they, they, they both run the ball. They come right at you. They're both talented. Uh, good senior classes for both. And, and again, this is one of those we're slug it out type of championship games between two extremely well coached and well drilled uh, well drilled schools. Yeah, Bob also mentioned Traders Point Christian and Part Tudor Sectional Forty Two, Sheridan Hagerstown Sectional Forty Five, Knightstown North Decatur Sectional Forty Six. He also mentioned Lutheran and Covenant Christian in Sectional Forty Seven. All in all, it is going to be an exciting night. There are a lot of people geeked up, and I say this I think every week to you. But, indeed, this seems like the, the best of the best when it comes to intrigue and excitement. It's uh, Friday night sectional final Friday night for you. So you'll have a blast. I hope so. I think we will, but I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you just think, look at football and both the basketballs. And when you get to uh, semifinal Friday and then going into championship Friday, those are back-to-back spectacular weeks. And this will, again, the weather gods have favored us one more night, so this should no be doubt. a tremendous There, no doubt. Hey, Bob, we'll be listening, man. Go at it tonight as you normally do and um, have fun with it because this this is indeed – you also mix in the weather, and it's it's pretty damn special tonight, no doubt about that. Bob, thank you. You're welcome, John. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And Bob, each and every Friday, is brought to you by your Central Indiana CarX locations, 14 in all. It's carx.com.